Hello and welcome to the Podpolecast, the official podcast of the Podpol. You can check us out on Twitter at Podpolecast, or you can check out the Podpol Twitter at Podpol. You can also go over to podcasterpoll.com for some interesting semi-regular articles. For those of you who are unfamiliar, the Pod Poll is a poll voted on weekly by podcasters in the FBS from across the country, representing every corner of the league. And today I'm joined by none other than the Pod Poll voter representing Ohio State, the Bunch of Nuts podcast. All right, so let's start off with probably the most glamorous part of all of this with Ohio State, the quarterback battle. Do you think that it's going to be McCord, like a lot of people seem to start being really in on, and how there's really him as the slight favorite, or do you think that Devin Brown is still really a true contender? I think the ship has sailed on Devin Brown being a being the true contender at least for week one, barring any injury, just because um, it, just because for a couple of reasons. One, he missed the spring game. Um, that was kind of a big, big turning point, I think, in the battle. Um, I mean, we saw what he, could do, he, what he could do the previous year in the spring game, and he looked really good. Um, but him missing that time, you know, getting getting that he would, if he had a good game, he'd get that positive press. I think that has set him back a little bit. Um, and but there's also other factors. It's you know the fact that you know Marvin Harrison Jr.'s teammate was Kyle McCord in high school. Like they have an a, a, an amazing chemistry. Marvin Harrison Jr. is pr- going to be probably you know second overall pick. People are saying you know obviously, according to some people he's the best wide receiver prospect since Calvin Johnson at Georgia Tech. Obviously for I think that's not crazy to say given his pedigree and what he's done. Um, and obviously being the son of Marvin Harrison. Um, so I think that's a big factor. Also, you got to factor in, I'm not saying coaches pick favorites, but um, Ryan Day has a really good relationship with Kyle McCord. His like his son is like, I believe Kyle McCord was like, at, I think it was his son's sponsor or something for like, um, when you, what's, what's it? I'm not a religious man. I, I should be more. What's it at church when you? Um, oh, is it uh, the confirmation? confirmation yeah, yeah, yeah i believe he was um kyle mccord's um like confirmation person for what sponsor so uh, kyle mccord was ryan day's son's confirmation sponsor i believe which is like that's a big thing like that's a real like I- i'm catholic and that's a big thing um yeah. to honor someone like that and i don't think people really realize that um and that just that that kind of just ties into like how how respected kyle mccord is around the com- like the community and everything um and then the last thing is Kyle McCord was pushing, you know, CJ Stroud for the, like the, the QB one spot when he was a true freshman, like after we lost to Oregon and Stroud was, I, they, they said he was hurt um, against Akron. Kyle McCord started the game and there was a lot of people in the Buckeye, you know, contingent that were saying, Oh, Kyle McCord should start over CJ Stroud. I called the, like, I thought all those people were crazy, but like, CJ Stroud was the second overall pick. So um, when you have a true freshman, you know, pushing the second overall pick to start, that's, that's a great problem to have. Um, And uh, like, there's nothing that has, has come up recently that would, would indicate that Kyle McCord wouldn't be the starter. It's really his job to lose um, barring injury or just bad play. Yeah. But 
on top of that, I do see that Kyle McCord is someone who has legs and in the current college football landscape by everything that I've been seeing and everything that I think just about everyone's been seeing, it really matters if you can be a dynamic quarterback. And I think that Kyle McCord can be and is going to be a dynamic quarterback. Yeah, you know, he I mean, he has legs. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's going to be like, like a Justin Fields type or like a JT Barrett type. I would, I, I would, I would say he's a little more mobile. He's definitely more mobile than Stroud. I think he's more willing to run than Stroud and everything. But we're we're gonna see. I mean, it's. I think Kyle McCord's strength is gonna be his accuracy inside the pocket. Um, you know, people people ha- have kind of dogged him at times for you know some sloppy turnovers. I think that that could be an issue, but. You know, through his career, um, you know, in 2021, he was a 65% completion percentage. Last year, I mean, he only threw 20 passes. He completed 80%. His biggest thing is just he's so accurate and, and just knows how to get the ball out. Yeah, but to be honest, he does kind of lack the pocket presence that Devin Brown has where Brown can, he really has a sense of the pocket. He knows what he's doing. He knows his offensive line, and I don't really see that with him. Yeah, I, I, I do agree there, and that is a that is a good point. Um, it, And it would have been, I, I do wish we got got to see Brown um, in the spring game with this offensive line because I do think the tackles for Ohio State could be the weak link, unfortunately, this year. Um, it did it did rear its kind of head in the spring game um, with the tackles because our edge rushers were getting pressure. I, and it's tough to say, it's tough to gauge if it really is the tackles or is it just the Ohio State defensive line being so dominant because they have a t- it's one of the most loaded defensive lines I've seen in a while. Um, in spring game, you know, if you touch him with a, the quarterback with a hand, he's down. So it's, it's tough to really, you know, gauge a sack and stuff there. But um, it, it was evident, um, you know, McCord's movement in the pocket wasn't as as smooth as what you know we would have expected. So I, I agree with you there on your analysis. Yeah, but then on the topic of the offensive line, uh, there's a little bit of a battle there, and I'm a very big guy on uh, Victor Cutler at center. I love the idea of someone coming up from ULM. Gotta love ULM. Um, mm-hmm. And then getting the opportunity to win a job, but Carson Hinsman is going to give him a run for his money, and I think that's a battle to watch out for because I don't think it's decided yet. But then on top of that, as you mentioned, there's the tackles, and it is going to be interesting to see how the offensive line can really mesh with uh, mesh with itself to overcome some of its difficulties with. Uh, putting together a good set of tackles, putting them in the right position, figuring it all out. And to be honest, when it comes to like the spring game, Ohio State has a great defensive line. And by spring, when you're replacing both tackles, you can't expect an offensive line to have that great coordination. You can't expect no. them to act as a perfect unit. So even if there's pressure in half the snaps, I think that... Oh, that the offensive line should get an absolute pass on that kind of thing in the spring. And I think throughout yeah. the fall and throughout the early uh, early games of the season, Ohio State's offensive line is going to come together, and I think it has the potential to be a very good unit and one where the tackles are going to be young and one where the center is young and one where everyone is going to be sticking around. So a very good future there. 
Uh, it, it's you're absolutely right. It's a young line. Um, I, I do like. I mean, I think I think our two guards are going to be the strength of this line between Donovan Jackson, Matthew Jones. Oh, I think yeah. in the, the interior part. That I mean, our two those two guards are going to be invaluable. Um, it's they're going to be great. Um, with, with center, that is kind of an open battle. They have Hins, Hinsman, Cutler, Jacob James, Josh Padilla. It's probably going to be Hinsman. Um, and he's kind of a wild card. I the tackles. Um, like you said, well, they weren't great, and I I, I want to give him a pass in the spring game. Um, Josh Fryer has shown at times he he could be really you know become a really good left tackle for us. We got to recruit Josh Simmons in the transfer portal from San Diego State. Nothing but great things I've heard about him. But the the one guy I'm really in love with is out of what uh, Lakota West High School in Westchester, Ohio. Excuse me, just uh, excuse me there, um, Tigra Thashaloba. He is a monster at right tackle. He, um, he, he, he. If you just watch some of his clips in in spring practice, um, he throws people around. He is a beast. He, they got, a, they obviously got to, you know, mold him a little bit more. Um, and also Zen Milkowski. I was about we, to say, yeah. We have, we have depth there. It's just a question of, are we gonna have? a guy that can stand against, you know, the Georgias or the Alabamas against the world. I'm not worried about our, our offensive line right now against, you know, the Big Ten slate. It's more when we get, you know, if if we get to the college football playoff, will they be able to match up with those guys there? And I, I want to say yes because um, our, our, our offensive line coach, Justin Fry, you know, he he's really kind of molded this unit because they were kind of soft a couple – like two years ago it felt like um, – and they're getting bullied at will. It felt like at times, like against Michigan. Um, but now, like what we saw them do against do against Georgia. You watch that game. Jalen Carter looked like an undrafted free agent that game. Um, yeah. It, 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 the the offensive line played the best game I've seen in like two years out of them against Georgia. And that 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 defense was incredible by by Georgia. But the offensive line, you know, moved them at will. So we'll see. All right, here's a good question for you. Do you think that Notre Dame or Ohio State is going to have the uh, best offensive line unit in the country, if not just this year going forward? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, you know, you could also make the argument, um, and this is going to – I would probably say it's not going to be Ohio State, as, as crazy as that sounds. Um, you could also make the argument – and hear me out, Penn State, because they got the one True. kid. They, I mean, Penn State, I know, I know you're a pit guy. Penn State is going to have a really good offensive line this year. I would I would throw them in as a, as a wild card. I would probably lean on Notre Dame um, just because they have some, you know, they have some high prospects. Um, as a unit, Ohio State can definitely be competitive with them, but I have to give Notre Dame the nod there. Yeah, I and on Penn State, I mean, Penn State has looked like it's improved, improved, improved. They're really putting themselves in a position where Penn State can really play at a higher level and finally kind of break through. And it's been really unfortunate because every time we get the best Penn State team that we've seen in a long while, it's also coinciding with a team under C.J. Stroud at Ohio State or a team that we're seeing repeating in Michigan. So it'll be interesting to see how they stack up against these 
great Big Ten schools as they are getting better and playing at a more competitive level on yeah. like in tandem with each other. You're absolutely right. Um, and, I'm, and I'm not trying to be a dramatic like off-season guy. I've said this on our show. I do think Penn State is a really, really big sleeper this year in the college football playoff. I think um, it, it really – it's gonna go, they're gonna go as far as as James Franklin allows them to. I mean, he he's the one that would hold them back with his play calling. But you look at them, uh, Keandre Lambert Smith. Um, he's gonna be their next their next great receiver. You know that kind of just pops up and explodes out of nowhere. Drew Aller, true like a true quarterback, true passer, like not not a Sean Clifford. He he's a, he is a, he's a most likely this guy's gonna be an NFL quarterback. Um, then they got the duo at running backs. You have a really good offensive line. I mean, that's you know they have potentially the first offensive tackle in next year's draft. Um, and on the defensive side, Manny Diaz um, was a mastermind. Their secondary was fantastic last year. They have Chop Robinson, who's also projected to be like a first round pick. Um, Penn State was literally one bad fourth quarter away against Ohio State um, from being. 11 and one and they would have replaced probably they probably would have replaced ohio state's spot like if they beat ohio state they they go get into the college football playoff over ohio state obviously because you know they they only have one loss they would take the spot of where ohio state was so um penn state is an absolute threat i think and i don't think many people are really realizing that um it's gonna be really interesting to see what they do yeah and then penn state as you said it's they were a few bad turns away from really being a contender for the national title. And with mm-hmm. how Ohio State played Georgia, I think Penn State would have had a shot too, and they could have done yeah. it all. No, they absolutely, absolutely could have, I think. Um, I mean, the Michigan game too, I mean, they were right in it, and then just some, some bad breaks went their way, and then that, that score was uglier than it what it was. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I really do think Penn State's going to make some noise this year. I mean, they they won a Rose Bowl, and it's last year kind of felt like a lost season for them, but it was it, it was one of their best seasons in recent memory. Yeah, and I, I do think that uh, the big three, and I know that when I asked you for your article, shout out to the podcasterpool.com, uh, you, and then you answered it on your podcast uh, that you said that last year was the best of the big three of the Big Ten. Uh, have been in recent memory i truly believe that this year can promise to beat that especially with the continuity in michigan and the strength just inherent to a ryan day ohio state and a james franklin penn state Uh, i mean on paper it absolutely could i think it's just gonna be so tough to replicate that again getting two teams in the playoff and another team winning the rose bowl um that i mean that's that's going to be the, the only thing that could really beat that is two teams in the playoff, one, one another team winning the Rose Bowl or, or a, a New Year's Six Bowl, and then one of the teams in the playoff winning the Natty. Um, it just just from the way that has to play out, that there has to be so little margin for error. Um, it, it's really it's really tough to get that, but um, yeah, I mean, I think too um, with. The SEC expanding, the Big Ten expanding. Um, this is my theory going into last season, and I when I picked the college football playoff, 
I got like preseason. I got three out of four teams right, and the only team I got wrong was Bama, and they finished fifth. Um, in the like, they were the first team out. I had Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, and Bama in mind. Uh, TCU obviously got in over Bama. Um, I I think though my logic behind it is with these conferences expanding. Right now, it's kind of like the era of the Super Conference. The Big Ten and the SEC are the Super Conferences. The voters who vote on these, I think, are more inclined to put the two, the, these two conferences in. Um, and then, obviously, it's going to all get thrown out the window next year when it expands. But right now, I think they're looking at these two conferences specifically. Um, and then everyone else, you know, you have to have an amazing season. You, you can only probably lose one game um, to really realistically have a shot. Do you think going forward, the SEC champion or the Big Ten champion could make it in with two losses and really kind of break the mold of one loss being the limit? I mean, I could definitely see a two-loss team getting in. Absolutely. It just, there has to be, Ohio State almost did it the one year. The problem is it's how everyone else does. Um you know they're not going to justify putting in an under a, a two loss you know conference champion team if there's a one loss conference champion as as ridiculous as that is sounds um i mean i personally think it should be the eyeball test like you got to factor in the eyeball test and everything I, I i hate the one thing i hate about college football is just like one one loss two losses it disqualifies you it throws out your whole season nfl you know there's teams that will lose six seven games and go on to win a super bowl um, so I'm really just looking forward to the new, the new, the new, the new playoff structure in a couple of years and two years. I think, um, you know, four is good. Um, it's, it's gotten the job done for now, but it also has left a sour taste in my mouth as an Ohio state fan, just because we've come so close so many times. And I would have loved to see us really have a shot at it. Um, like in 2018, we were a one loss team or one loss was to Purdue um, or in 2015, our one loss was to Michigan state. And, you know, on paper, I think we were better than some of the other teams in the playoff, but it's just the timing that kind of unfortunately threw everything to whack. But, you know, it's in a couple you know, in two years, we're not going to have that problem. If we can't finish, you know, top 12, um, then I, you can't have any complaints. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that the expanded playoff is going to revolutionize college football and make it so much better for so many fan bases, because right now, yeah, you occasionally get a Cinderella team like TCU getting in and uh, giving everyone a run for their money, making the national championship game, but it's the same faces all the way around. And once you get the conference champions in there, once you get all the way to number 12 getting in, then you get to see teams that really wouldn't have had a shot otherwise. And then I just last week I on this show, I was talking to the Sons of UCF And they pointed out that Tulane beat USC, and Tulane looked like a great team. But Tulane split with UCF, and UCF, without a quarterback injury, probably wins the AAC championship game. Now, you didn't hear anything about UCF. No one talked about UCF, and UCF wasn't really in the conversation for a great team last season. They went 9-5, and and people kind of wrote them off. But... Gus Malzahn's US, UCF has really potential to be the kind of team that gives people a run for their money in an expanded playoff. 
No, I, I agree. Um, it's it's interesting. I think it's going to it's gonna really – the expanded playoffs are really going to change the dynamic of things. I think you're going to see also some of these, these teams on the brink of breaking for, through, like a Tennessee, like a USC. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Like an LSU, you know, teams that – or even like a Penn State, teams that are right there, you know, they're top 10 consistently, or, well, you know, Tennessee just last year mainly. But I, I, these teams that are, you know, they're not they're not going to escape, I think, unscathed through their conferences due to cannibalism. But once they get right there, and if they get in as like, you know, a 6, 7, 8 seed, they're going to win a game or two. I, I, I totally believe that. Um, and I think that's going to make it interesting. It's also going to be awesome to see like a team like, you know, if like a team like a Troy gets in there and they take down a Goliath. I don't think that's going to happen, unfortunately, as often as people want it. It's, I don't think it's going to be like college basketball where, you know, because it, 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 in football, it's just a little different. It's a little tougher because um, like it, it, a team like Troy, um, <laughs> it's not that they're not a great team. It's just when you go up against a team like Alabama, for example, when they have, you know, their offensive lines averaging, you know, let's say 330 pounds and then your offensive lines maybe like just barely 300. That's a that's a that's a problem. And there's no there's no amount of football you can play that, you know, you're going to get around that problem. Um, I, I unless unless some crazy stuff happens like Appalachian State, Michigan, um, I, I don't think we're going to see a ton of upsets. But we're going to get more football. Everyone loves more football. And we're going to get a clear-cut winner where there's going to be less complaining, I think, because everyone's going to get a shot and there's not going to be people who are going to be like, well, what if this happened or this team got robbed? Like, no, if you finished, if you couldn't finish top 12, you couldn't justify being a top 12 team, you weren't a contender. Um, th- uh, like, this way we could at least put in a couple, you know, non-conference winners, some teams with losses that pass the eye test, some um, group of five teams – and we're going to really, you know, get a true winner um, without any complaints. Yeah, it it is going to change a lot when the team like UCF that goes undefeated a few years back and then claims the national championship and everyone laughs them off. Well, it's going to be interesting to see that kind of team or like that West, uh, Western Michigan team from a while back that went undefeated yeah. where they get their shot and... If they went, if they somehow went on and won it all, then people look at them and say that was a year that they won it. They did it. And if they lose to the one of the Goliaths, like in Alabama, where they're just plainly outmatched and they couldn't get around it, then they'll know that they had a great season, but they're not going to claim a national championship. No, but it's. It, I mean, it, it, I think too at the end of the day people want more football i don't think that's crazy to say the college football season is way too short um by the time we get into by the time we get into october it's like the season's almost done um and it feels like we're just warming up so i don't think that you know adding on a a game or two extra especially in an era now where these people you know these athletes can get paid for accordingly and get when endorsement deals and all that great stuff I don't think it's crazy. I don't think, you know, there's some naysayers and stuff, the traditionalists and all that. They're, I think they're, they're, they're not thinking it throughly, thinking it through and everything. I think, you know, this is going to be great for the sport. Um, it's going to be a little different, but at the end of the day, it's going to make it more competitive for everyone. Because let's be honest, um, how, how, how tired are you of watching Georgia, Ohio State, Bama, Clemson? 
I will say very. I, I and I am tired too. And it's and I'm an Ohio State fan. Um and I obviously I want the Buckeyes to get in, but I would like to see the Buckeyes play someone else. Even if that means, you know, we get knocked off by, you know, Troy or someone crazy. I can live with that. It's I just want to I just want to see honestly everyone get a fair shot cuz it's it's frustrating when, you know, I, we have a program like Ohio State, and I feel like at times we didn't get a fair shot just because of how the way the the sports set up. And you know, if it, if it, if I feel like it's tough like that for a team, a power program like Ohio State, I can only imagine how it feels to be, you know, like like a team like a Pittsburgh. Um, you know, they won the ACC a couple of years ago, um, and that was a really good team. And that team would have gotten in under the twelve team playoff rule, and that would have been an interesting team to see it, you know. But they, you know, they have a couple losses, so they automatically get disqualified, um, which I think is ridiculous. But that's that's the way it, the game is, unfortunately. And then beyond that, like you were saying earlier, with just playing off the eye test, Pitt in that season they lost an early game to Western Michigan, and from that point on, they were a different team. They took things differently. They yeah. acted differently, and they acted like someone that could compete. And now, as again, as a Pitt fan, I was pretty content with the ACC championship, and that was a yeah. very elite, like elite time, elite team, and a fun, fun atmosphere to be a fan for, especially after so many years of not having that. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, then you look at say a Syracuse. Or a team like uh, Oregon State. They could have a breakout year. They could do great things. And Syracuse is never getting in. In no 14 playoff. They could, no. uh, heck, they could, they could have a one-loss Syracuse team. And then they might not get in over a two-loss LSU like we have under Brian Kelly right now. Where no, they just yeah. look great. No, it feels it feels rigged like that. It, 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 no, it, you're absolutely right. Now, under a 12 team, that Syracuse, you can't hold them out. Yeah, on, on that, and, and that's like a couple. That's you know, not a couple years. Probably like five years ago, I want to say when Syracuse had that really good team out of nowhere. That you know, they 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 played Clemson tough on the road, almost beat them, and then they played Notre Dame tough, almost beat them. Um, think I think they finished the season like 10 and three or something like that with Eric Dungy. Um, it was a really good team, but yeah, it's and that team might sneak in under a 12 team playoff. And that would be an interesting thing to see. Yeah. Um, to change the subject quite abruptly, let's think about the Ohio state secondary for a moment. Cause there is a lot of turnover there and it should be noted that, there's a lot of battles going on, and I want to hear what you're thinking for the outlook of the Ohio State secondary. Yeah, no. So, so okay. Um, so I think obviously Denzel Berg, he's going to be our main guy at corner. He was, you know, he was really shaky in the beginning of the year, and then he, he at at the end of the season, he 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 really turned it on. He had a really good game against Georgia up until the touchdown he gave up. But uh, 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 and that wasn't even a bad touchdown. It, the guy caught like you know a ten yard pass. It was just more. It was in the red zone. Um, I think he played pretty good. Other than that, Lathan Ransom's gonna probably be our slot guy. Um, he 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 he's 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 really good in the run game. Um, and really flashed in the Big Ten games. The problem was in against Georgia, he just fell down like t twice out of nowhere. 
Um, people say it's coaching. I would just say that was just nerves. He's got to watch the tape and improve there. They currently have Josh Proctor um, labeling that free safety. Proctor is a guy who, you know, he's, he's been there for a while. He's really been a good starter for us up until um, 2021 where he broke his leg against Oregon last year. So that year was kind of a lo- obviously a lost year because he got hurt, you know, second game of the season. Last year, I feel like it was a lost cause for him, too, because he was still kind of working his way back from injury, learning the defense, the new defense. Uh, it was kind of in the doghouse with Jim Knowles. But he's projected to start. We'll see what happens there. Sonny Styles and Kai Stokes, though, um, I'm super high on. Uh, more more styles because uh, he's just a freak of nature. But Kai Stokes is your traditional ball hawk. Um, he's a guy who can you know line up in free safety. He's he's going to be like almost like a Malik Hooker uh, type of player who you know he might not be elite in the run game, but he's gonna he's gonna pick off some passes. I think we need a guy like that. Sonny Styles, he's gonna find the field. He might honestly play some linebacker because he's just he's massive. Uh, he he is a freak of nature. This guy is going to be a first round pick. He might be a top ten pick, I think, when it's all said and done. We get we get the um, Dave uh, Davison Igabusan from Ole Miss. I've heard nothing and seen nothing but great things from him. He's going to be locked down. I think he's really going to help complement Burke and really you know help solidify our corners. I'm super psyched about him. He's probably the guy I'm most excited about. Um, and then the, really the question is the nickelback position. That's where we're going to see um, a lot of. Um, competition right now they're projecting cam martinez to be the starter i i don't think that's going to be the case um cam martinez has a lot to work on still i like i like the kid from syracuse the transfer jihad carter i also think jair brown is going to play a lot there um so i mean it, we we have so much depth it, it there's really with this secondary there's no excuses we have the talent we have the depth and it's not the coaching at this point. It's these guys got to, you know, they got to trust their technique. They got, they, they got to have some pride. Um, we, you know, Ohio state was, you know, at one point DBU uh, or, or now we call it BIA best in America. It, it feels like though we've lost our swagger. I don't know if it's because they've been getting cooked in practice by Marvin Harrison, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, all these guys for the past couple of years. Um, but they got to get their swagger back. I think this is a unit's going to be really good, though. Um, I, I have faith in this unit. I think this defense is going to be a you know a top ten defense this year, at least on paper. I really don't see many flaws with it because we have so much depth, and our defensive line is going to get so much pressure too. That our secondary, they just got to be able to lock down for a couple seconds. I think. Yeah, when it comes to safeties, I think that Styles and Stokes are pretty good, but. And this might be a controversial take, but just because I've seen him play so much and I've seen him in practice and I've actually taken the time to really watch his tape specifically, I think Jihad Carter is a really, really good player. And I think he has a lot of potential to have a breakout season. I think that Ohio State is very lucky to have him. No, I, I agree. And he I think I think he's the perfect guy to come in and kind of play the role that like Tanner McAllister was last year for us. Cause I mean that position, that nickelback position, that's kind of what Tanner McAllister was at times for us. Um it's interesting how I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I'm a I'm a I'm a I was a safety and I know DBs and all that this stuff. But uh Jim Knowles doesn't make it easy. 
like the way he put, like they just need my biggest thing with the coaching staff and it's not even Jim Knowles but there's too many too many random positions like the cornerback the right cornerback the nickelback the free safety just like they got to dumb it down for these guys cuz like a lot of these guys they're they're four or five star recruits we know they can ball don't overcomplicate things for them with like schematics alignments and stuff just just really i they just need to go out there and play fast because they have the talent yeah, but I mean, even with a kind of complicated structure to it all, uh, a guy like Jihad Carter, I mean, he played in all three secondary positions while yeah. he was at Syracuse. I think that that's not even the issue. I think it all comes down to just mentality, where yeah. it's. I think that these guys have the talent. I think they have the know-how. They have the football IQ and whatnot, everything that you want to say about them, but... I think that they just have to recognize that they can be the best in the country and that they can be everything that Ohio State needs them to be. Oh, no, I no, it's it absolutely is mentality because it's, you know, when you watch, it's the secondary will make stupid mistakes. They'll let they'll let guys behind them. They'll and these or they'll they'll fall down or they just won't trust their technique and it's it's stuff that you know, coaches can coach and coach and, you know, work on your technique and stuff. But when it comes to playing, sometimes you just have to do it. You know, it's not it, the coaches could have the greatest game plan on paper. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, the, the players got to execute. And it, maybe I'm being harsh on the secondary more than I should be. But, you know, I, I feel like all the other units have really done a pretty good job executing the past couple of years besides the secondary. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's a lot to defense, and there's a lot to factor in, especially now that uh, Ohio State's going to have to go against a pretty eclectic mix of uh, focuses from different teams, Mm -hmm. and they're still going to have to compete against the same Michigan offense with uh, Corum and Edwards running it through, and they're going to have the uh, the same... They're just going to have a lot of continuity in Michigan, and yeah. it's going to be tough. No, I it think is. They got uh, it. Donovan Edwards is a monster. I mean, Cor- Corum, Corum's a great player. He's he's obviously torn us apart too. But Donovan Edwards, I feel like the past two seasons we played him. That man is the the Buckeye killer. Um, he's he's the one player on that team that terrifies me because he's just a man child. I mean, he's just like he's massive but he's fast he can he can do he can catch he can run he can throw he can block he can do everything for them um and he's just i mean he's a great player there's i mean it's crazy how good that guy is yeah and to be honest and i <laughs> i don't know how many uh michigan fans would necessarily agree with this but Corum, it and i can't fault him for it because i mean he's a guy that can go pro uh, and he's a guy that should be doing this, but he's worried about his career. I think he's he's afraid of getting hit. He's afraid of going for the extra yard. Uh, and, you know, again, can't really fault him for that. But at the same time, I think Edwards is the kind of guy where if he sees a hole that only lasts for three yards or he can go out of bounds, where Corum will go out of bounds and save himself a couple extra years in the NFL, I think Edwards is the kind of guy that, just jumps right in no you no, that's that's absolutely right i get that i get, i i understand what you're saying i do think i mean edwards is a more of a violent runner too i think um it, but it, it's 
they have such a nice little backfield duo between Corum and Edwards. It's it's really kind of like a, a gra- what's like um what's the what's the term? I'm trying to think. They used it like earth. Oh, was it earth, wind, fire? I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. You get the idea. Yeah, it's like where when the Giants had uh, Brandon Jacobs and like Ahmad Bradshaw, like a similar type of situation like that, I guess. Not exactly, but um, you get the idea. Oh, yeah. And I think uh, for a lot of teams and a lot of fans, I mean, no matter where you're from, you probably have had a situation where you just have a great duo at any position and a great back and forth and they just work together in tandem to tear apart a defense and it's always fun to watch oh no absolutely and it's just having having two backs is critical right now um just because like people don't realize that like if you have two different backs like a speed guy and a power guy guy you know you're worried about one thing him getting into the outside you're going to be winded after that play and then you bring in a power guy and then he's just gonna you know just run it down your throat and it's it's just demoralizing as a defense when you 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 can't you gotta stop both those types of players um but luckily i will say this ohio state kind of has it i mean they have a great backfield too between travion uh you know travion obviously didn't have the season he wanted but he is a beast um, we had Dallin Hayden, young guy, young pup, you know, had over 500 yards his rookie year. Not even Zeke had many had many yards. Um, Why I say rookie, freshman year. And then Mayan Williams is like our stud power back. And then we obviously have uh, Evan Pryor returning. We have Chip Traynham. We have depth. Um, it, we, we have a lot of depth at the back position. We just need, we just need, I think, one of them to really step up and be the alpha. I think that's our biggest problem. We have a bunch of really, really good guys who would start, you know, on the majority of college football teams. But, I, like, I just – we need one of them to just, just be the 1,000-yard guy because um, last year we really didn't have that. Yeah, and to be honest, if there's one word that could define Ohio State, I think in 2023 and maybe in prior years too, but especially now, it is depth because Ohio State has it through and through. I mean, yeah. you look anywhere – any side of the ball and Ohio state has guys that even if they're not the starter, they can step up and they can play. I mean, they're good. Yeah, no, it's, um, I mean, I don't, uh, I really don't have many flaws with this team. I really don't on paper. The biggest, the biggest question mark is just how the quarterback's going to do. But like, like, like we kind of touched on before, I have faith in Kyle McCord. You know, this this guy was handpicked by Ryan Day too. Like Ryan Day won. This is one of his you know first big time recruits he got. Ryan Day really wanted Kyle McCord. Ryan Day is a quarterback whisperer. He's developed three straight first round quarterbacks between Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, um, C.J. Stroud. I, there's nothing. There's no reason for me to have any doubt in Ryan Day's ability to have Kyle McCord come in and execute the offense. Yeah, and. I mean, he's kind of become what I used to view Lincoln Riley as, and there's no reason not to view Lincoln Riley as it anymore, but uh, something about him, just him at USC stealing away players, but uh, as the quarterback guy. I mean, he is able to just take who he gets, and he can and take what he wants and just make them great, and he can take a great player and make them greater. And exactly. it's been great. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Um, One of the overlooked issues for Ohio State, though, is the uh, kicking position and on special teams. Uh, Do you think that it's Jaden Fielding all the way, or do you think that, like, USC's transfer Parker Lewis or even uh, Jake Seibert, do you think that they have a shot in this, or...? Well, Cybert just transferred. Cybert hit. The oh, board. I didn't even know that. No, it's okay. You, you would not. You would not probably know that. It's such like a local story. Um, Parker Lewis, I've heard really good things. I, I'm a big. I, I do think it is Jaden Fielding though, just because he has like the best leg we've seen it in, in a while. Um, it, um, it, it's it's crazy. It's uh, last year. I mean, he, at, every time he kicked the ball, it was it was a touchback. It was. I mean, he was consistently kicking it in the end zone for us. Touchback every time um, with accuracy. I mean, I unless unless he can't handle the pressure, which I, I don't believe that's going to be the case, um, I think Fielding is going to be the guy. But having a guy like Parker Lewis as a backup um, is going to be invaluable. Um, it, 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 the kicking position is so cr- critical. Um, and, you know, our kicker, our kicker Ruggles um, – last year i feel bad because i you know he ended his career on like a sour note but he got like he was always a very good kicker for us oh, so yeah. i mean he, he and unfortunately their career is kind of defined in the pressure moments and that obviously didn't go his way but he had a very good career um i mean he was in contention for the lou groza award in 2021 and ultimately the michigan guy won it yeah i'm ruggles was a great kicker i truly believe that he is one of the better ones that Ohio State has had in a long, long while, and maybe one of the best in the Big Ten. Period. No, um, you're absolutely and like our offense. People are giving him a lot of a tough time for missing the kick in the the Peach Bowl, but Stroud did a great job lead, leading the team down there. But we we could have used the clock a little better, and I think we could have gotten 10, 10, 15 more yards closer to set him up a little better. Um, yeah. It's a team effort at the end of the day at the end of the day so um yeah i mean can you really fault a guy for in the biggest possible moment missing a 50 yarder that that's not going to be a given and i think there's no kicker out there that is going to hit that every single time so it, and ruggles He's gonna get a tough time, and it's kind of be it's gonna be the defining moment of his career, and that's truly unfortunate because so many great kickers are defined by their misses, but then everyone just overlooks when they kick a game winner, and no one really thinks about the fact that every game they have to go out there and the kicker has to make sure everything is perfect, and anything but perfection is just thrown out. No, you're absolutely like so in 2021 too. Like Noah Ruggles, like against against Nebraska, we lose that game. If Noah Ruggles doesn't hit all his field goals uh, against Penn State. He he was invaluable, um, and and the Rose Bowl, he hit the game winning kick in the Rose Bowl. Like there's there's many times where he's been great, and you know people really don't give him as, enough credit. So yeah, I mean I, I it just it is what it is. Unfortunately, with that position. Yeah, and it's like being a, a goalie in soccer. No exactly. one's going to keep track of how many times, uh, whenever they're just thinking about and reminiscing on everything, no one's going to be thinking about uh, just how many 
times that you were able to stop the ball from going in, they're going to think about the fact that you lost this game for them. But in reality, the offense didn't do what it had to do every single time, and it fell on your shoulders to get just over that edge. Yeah, it's it's not Noah Ruggles' fault the defense gave up 40 points, you yeah. know, to, and, and in a bad way, too. <laughs> yeah, uh, it it's a tough position, and it is tough to uh, get a good memory from everyone. Absolutely. Uh, to go to take a look at your ballot a little bit, I did notice that you put Ohio State over Michigan. So I'm assuming you have Ohio State beating Michigan this year. I do. I just, I, I just think you know, the past two years they 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 had our number. I think it, it, it's college football. I feel like it, it goes in cycles, and a lot of it too is based on when when these games are close and it's and, you know you're splitting hairs on who's better. A lot of it just comes down to motivation and who has the motivation. Um, Ohio State has double the motivation now because we've lost to them two years in a row. Um, oh, hatred plays a lot of a big factor into the games, and if you've lost to a team recently uh, and you're you know just on par, I think the the anger and hatred is going to get Ohio State through this one. I really do. I think if uh, if that was going to be the deciding factor every time, though, Michigan would have a much better record in recent years. Yeah, yeah, it's well, I, you're right. It's you know, but the their roster also wasn't as good. The, the, the you know, Harbaugh's done. I'll give Harbaugh credit. He's done a really good job of getting his guys in and building this roster. Even too when he was on the hot seat, um, he really did a good job of getting these good recruits. I mean, he even had Joe Milton. You know, Joe Milton. Um, I don't, I, I don't want to get off topic here. I, I think Joe Milton's going to win the Heisman. Um, uh, that's just Ooh. my prediction. I'll say it like I, I, I have a bet. I, I've been trying. I've been saying this since twenty, uh, twenty one. Um, I tried to actually place a bet on him when I went to Las Vegas. I couldn't even find it on the the sheet, um, because he, <laughs> they didn't have the odds for him. Um, so I ended up taking Bryce Young. But I think this year is Joe Milton's year to win. Um, and with Michigan's biggest problem was just. Josh Gaddis um, was a ter- is a terrible offensive coordinator, and you're going to see too. He's going to ruin Maryland's offense. Like you saw Maryland's offense with uh, Tua's little brother, um, it, it, pretty good, great passer. It's they look terrible in the spring game. Um, Josh Gaddis was the problem. I think Harbaugh really has a good, good, good roster, but Ohio State man, I think I think it, you know we're going to really shock Michigan this year. It's just. It's, you know, and Taylor Lewan, like I, we got into it with Taylor Lewan a couple of weeks ago on Twitter um, because he, you know, he, he, he was on part of my take. And um, I don't know if you know part of my take, but the oh, Marshall, yeah. okay. And he was on it. Like I, I've been listening to that show since 2017. Like I'm an AWL. I, I know when they're being sarcastic. I also know when they're being serious because at times they have broken real news on that show um, and stuff. And Taylor Lewan literally said, um, when they're asking about Ohio State, now given he also went to Ohio State to like interview Ryan Day like a month before, he said seriously, seriously, with like a straight face, not sarcastic. He said Ohio State's not that good anymore, dude. They're way past their prime. I've been to the facilities. I've seen those players, and we posted what he said, and then he it got he got a lot of backlash for it. Um, and then he commented on it. He said, oh, well, I was just joking. Ha ha. He wasn't joking. Um, I, I, I do think, you know, that got to the Woody. Um, and, and I think, you know, 
some people saw that in the Woody, and I think you know uh, it, it's getting around that you know Michigan's not thinking their top dog. You know they're really rubbing it in. It, it, it's going to change. It's it, it's going to change. Mark my words. Well, that's the best thing about rivalries is it it yeah. brings out the best and the worst. I love it. Exactly. It, 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 it's. I mean, I, I hope. I hope they're undefeated going into the game. I want. I want both teams undefeated. I want a monster matchup. But I want. I want. I know Ohio State's going to smack them when they get there. Ah, yeah. That's always the hope for the hometown team. Uh, on your ballot, you also had Tennessee ahead of Alabama. So, what do you see happening in the SEC? So, SEC is going to be a bloodbath. Um, yeah, it's going to be a freaking bloodbath. I, Georgia, Georgia's winning the East. They have the easiest schedule ever. Um, and if they don't win the East, they're going 11 and one. Yeah. Tennessee has a, a really tough schedule. Um, I think they're going to be a team on paper, like a team. When you look at the eye test, that's a top, you know, six team. I don't know if the record's going to reflect that. I would say if this was the 12 team playoff, they, I'm absolutely putting them a lock in. The problem is they have such a tough schedule. Um, they yeah. play Georgia, Bama. Um, they obviously play Florida, AM. Like these are tough teams. Um, South Carolina. I do think, though, um, they, they, they just need to win one of those. I, I think they're going to go 11 and 1 2. <laughs> I think. Um, 11 one 10 2 I see with them. And I, I really think Joe Milton is going to light it up with that offense. Um, they, they, like they obviously lost high and Tillman, but they have squirrel white and they have two other, you know, returning receivers that played big roles, big, big roles that, have, you know, caught over 500 yards, uh, multiple touchdowns. They returned Jojo's, uh, they returned smalls and their other back. Um, their biggest problem was the defense, but, um, you know, Joe Milton has one of the best arms I've seen ever in the history of like football. Um, and I, I think when you watch the orange bowl against Clemson, it, the Tennessee made their offense clear. They're going to play basically four verts, um, make you spread the feet. They're going to spread the field, kind of play like a four verts. And you're going to have to, you know, really keep up with their receivers. Cause they're going to, they're going to launch it deep. Um, and it, it's going to be a shootout every game. I think they play in. Um, but I, I, I do think Tennessee is really good. Alabama, unfortunately, I mean, you know, they're still a top 10 team. I think they're falling off a little bit. I just, I don't think Milrow is going to light it up. Um, and I don't think they have the skill guys like they used to. Um, Saban will still have them coach. Well, they'll still obviously be a threat. I see though, like 10 and two, uh, with them nine and three, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, still, they'll still finish top 10 though. Yeah, I think with Alabama, a lot of people are kind of they're writing off the fact that Nick Saban is still Nick Saban. I mean, yeah, he he's still probably at least up there for what is going to be the greatest coaches of our lifetimes. And no, you're you're right. It's I don't want to write them off dead. I mean, they're definitely going to be a top ten team. I think when when it's end of the season i just don't know if they're going to be competing for a college football you know playoff spot yeah i i think they're definitely going to be in the conversation no matter what happens but when it comes down to it uh we'll see if they can hold their own against tennessee and lsu 
LSU is going to be a problem. LSU yeah. is going to be really interesting. I mean, I, I I think they might win. I think they might win the West again. Um, I th- I mean they're my favorite right now. I know they kind of snuck up on some people. It's going to be interesting when they play Florida State Week One. We're going to get a we're going to really gauge if they made the jump or not. Um, another another team. I know I don't see them being a threat to like win the West. I do see them being a very good team. Definitely a top, probably like fifteen team. I think Ole Miss will be a top fifteen team. Um, their running back, I, I feel like he's going to be. I, I and I wrote it in the article. I think he's going to be the new Darren McFadden. I think he's going to put on some performances like that. I see them being almost like an Arkansas of the like the early two thousands type of team. But it's going to be you know Ole Miss this year. Yeah, and then. You also look at some kind of dark horses where you get like a lot of people, especially uh, the Spurs Up show, which is our South Carolina voter, uh, really all in on South Carolina and locked on Ole Miss is really all in on Ole Miss where they're saying, well, look at Ole Miss's running back room. I think they think that they have a better running back room than Michigan, which I don't know if that's the case. But it's certainly going to be good. Their their one back might be better than both backs on Michigan Ole Miss. I will say though, like I listen to the Spurs Up show. Like I we actually used to be part of the same network with the Spurs Up show. Like Chris Phillips has done. Like watching what he's done too. Like because we've been follow, I've been following them since like 2016, 2017. He's done an amazing job just building like that brand, that website. Like, um, but like, and I listen to their stuff. And sometimes, like obviously, um it's a little bit of propaganda ish. Cause you know, oh, I mean, yeah. it, it's a South Carolina football show. Of course it has to be, but they're going to be a very good team this year. Um, there's like Shane Beamer has built a really good program there. Yeah. You have a uh, rattler. Um, it's not, I, it's not the team that, you know, in, I believe it was 2011, like the Marcus Lattimore team um, with, um, it was a clowny and Garcia. Like it was, it was a team that was really, really, really good. And they play in the SEC championship game. Um, it, they're not quite that caliber, but they're absolutely going to knock off someone big once or twice. Um, I mean, they did it last year. They beat they beat Tennessee. Yeah. They beat Clemson. Um, it's they're 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 gonna they're absolutely building something. I wouldn't be shocked if they um, knock off some teams. I'm pulling up their schedule real quick. Let me see. They, they play at Joe. I mean. They are probably yeah. They played at Georgia. That's probably one. Of, that's Georgia's second toughest game. Um, who else? They play Clemson. They could definitely beat Clemson. Um, uh, Clemson's not what he. I I don't know what happened to Dabo. They could I, beat Tennessee. It's they're gonna mark my words. Like they're gonna beat one of those teams. One of those three. Yeah, I I think that South Carolina has the uh, Clemson game. It's theirs to lose. They have it in the bag. Yeah, um, I, I agree. Beamer is a perfect fit for South Carolina, and I I don't know what happened to Dabo. I mean, he was arguably one of the greatest college football coaches, and he was if he kept it up, he was in the running for you know, one of the goats. But they just the past couple seasons, they just haven't been themselves. Well, okay, I'll say this, um, you know. People are writing off Alabama, and, and I know you're saying, "Oh, don't write off Alabama." I'll say this: don't write off Clemson 
I'll, I, 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 I would say Clemson is a better in a better state right now than Alabama, because um, I think Clay, Cade Klubnick is they have the better quarterback situation. Um, Shipley is is a really good running back. He's a, he's really exciting, honestly. Oh yeah. Um, and, <laughs> excuse me. And they add um, they added Lincoln Riley's brother to run the offense. That was their biggest problem. Clemson. I think Dabo has made a lot of changes. Um, so I think they're trending up and also they have an easier conference. They, I mean, their biggest competition right now is Florida state, which I think, I mean, that's going to be a great, amazing game when the, both those teams play I, that flip a coin for that one. Cause I honestly, I can't, I can't give you a read on that. Um, but I don't, don't write off Clemson. I do think they are in a little bit. I put them, I put them at 11 in the poll just as it's slight to Dabo. Cause he, <laughs> he ranked us 11 after we beat him in the, uh, the sugar bowl or whatever a couple of years ago. So I, I did that. that as a troll move, but um, I do think that Clemson's going to, could be really good this year too. I think that Clemson goes nine and three at best because they, I mean, they play Notre Dame. They have to go up against South Carolina and I don't, I don't think they can beat at this FSU team. I think this FSU team is the perfect storm. This FSU team is really good. Uh, Jordan Travis is definitely, I would say, probably a, a Heisman. He's up there like a Joe Milton pick. Uh, I think, you know, if it's a Joe Milton, uh, Jordan Travis might be there too in New York. Um, he's he's a guy who's who's really dynamic. Kind of uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of Caleb Williams at times, the way he plays too. Uh, similar type of player. Um uh, Notre Dame though too. Um, uh, Notre Dame is going to be really good. Um, they're going to make a jump. I at first I I thought they were overrated as usual. I thought uh, Marcus Freeman had no idea what he was doing, and then he really just kind of reeled that ship in, uh, turned that turn turn it around, and really salvaged that season for them. And you know they have the best quarterback they've had in a while. The Hartman's a dog, um, and he he can really lead a team, and. Um, it, I, I'm not trying to be dramatic here. I wouldn't be shocked. Um, and I would, I would absolutely hate this because I, I despise Notre Dame, um, <laughs> as, as, as an, as an Irish man, um, living in Ohio, I just, I hate Notre Dame with everything. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked if they, they pulled off an upset against Ohio state week four. Um, I, it wouldn't blow, it wouldn't shock me. I would hate it. I would probably, um, just delete my Twitter account for a week. I don't know. Um, but I, it, it wouldn't shock me as crazy as that sounds. Um, cause I see what Marcus Freeman's building. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's really, you know, they're going to be able to run the ball. They have a great offensive line. Audric Estime, um, power back stud. Um, they also have, I believe, what's his name, Tony Davis or um, I can't, Tony Jones. I forgot the other. He, he's a scat back for like their speed back. He's really good. Um, so yeah, just watch out for Notre Dame. Uh, they're going to be good. Yeah, I mean Sam Hartman. It's always nice to have a veteran quarterback who has worked in an RPO offense who mm-hmm. has everything. I mean, what the, Notre Dame set up to. They're building something where. When it gets to this, when it gets to the twelve-team playoff, they're going to be a problem. They're going to be in it always. They 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 might not be a top four team, but they'll always be a top top probably eight team. The way Freeman has set them up recently, um, and then they are gonna, 
you know, they're going to beat some teams in that 12 team playoff. They're going to make it to the next round a couple of times. And then from there, it could be it could, anything could happen. Yeah, I personally love Marcus Freeman. I think he's exactly what Notre Dame needed. And I think Brian Kelly leaving and Marcus Freeman taking his place was the best case scenario for Notre Dame and the best case scenario for Brian Kelly because Brian Kelly, he built a successful program at Notre Dame, but I don't think he was going to go to the next level while at Notre Dame, and I think he has that capability as a coach. Um, But then for Notre Dame's sake, I mean, Marcus Freeman is the perfect fit. Now, before we close out here, uh, I do want to say – uh, or ask a couple questions that I've been asking every podcast that comes on the show. Yeah. And they're just about your own experience as an Ohio State fan. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, most importantly, what was the most exciting time as an Ohio State fan? The best moment? The most exciting time? Well, I mean, probably... When I, because I went to the Sugar Bowl, we beat um, we beat Alabama. That game itself, being at that atmosphere, um, when Michael Thomas, I was in the end zone where Michael Thomas caught the trick play. Um, I feel like that was the most exciting moment because it was like when he caught that, I was like, oh my god, uh, you know what? We have a shot against Alabama. Like we have a shot to do this because we, you know, we cut it to within a few points. I think it was like two or three points because, um, yeah, I would say probably that. Also, um, just I would say the year after we won the national championship, when we were you know undefeated prior to playing Michigan State, that whole season was just fun up until the, the, the nightmare that day. Um, that was just you know the tailgating that season was incredible. The atmosphere, just what it was like on campus. Um, I mean, because all these guys too were going to be like first round picks. It felt like, and I I was like a, a junior at the time. Uh, it felt like like the equivalent of going to like college at, at like university of Miami when they had the like Ed Reed, Sean Taylor, like all those beasts. Um, Cause like I had like Michael Thomas, Joey Bosa, Zeke, JT, all my classes. Um, so yeah, I would say probably that time. Yeah, it does. It is always nice to have <laughs> such an exciting time. And I'm glad that, so many college football fan bases not only have been getting that opportunity recently to have a great season and a great atmosphere, but then beyond that, I think the 12 team playoff is going to make it. So there's a lot more excitement around college football in the regular season games, and there's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, hey, take the opportunity, uh, plug your socials, get your podcast in there. Oh, yeah. So, all right. You can follow us on Twitter. Um, That's our main platform. We're at bunch underscore nuts. Um, we, we also, um, our website, we like, we post stuff through. It's thesilverbulletin.com. Um, they have a lot of great articles. They're like, we're, we're, we're newer, the newest Ohio State blog and most comprehensive Ohio State coverage. So, like, our, our podcast is based out of that. Um, you can find us on the silver bulletin also on Twitter, like I said, at bunch underscore nuts. Uh, but if you go to the silver bulletin, some really good articles on there. Um, you know, we're, we're, we have some really dedicated writers, um, who really, you know, they do their research. These are guys that have graduated Ohio state with journalism degrees. They, they, they used to work for 11 warriors. 
um, some other places. They really pride themselves. So please give my uh, my boys a shout, like a look and shout out. Um, they do great work. They talk football, basketball, recruiting, and obviously our podcast is located on there on there too. All right. Well, thanks again so much for coming on, and we'll see you next time. Appreciate it. Thank you so much.